Hi, everyone. This is Father Michael. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Hope you're kicking off your day with the grace of God. As we uh, <clears throat> reflect a little here, I'd like to reflect a minute on the sacrament of confession or reconciliation. As we look at this sacrament, I'd like you to think of it as, again, the heart of every sacrament or everything we do in our church is relationship, right? God's interested in one thing. It's relationship with your soul. <clears throat> and when we factor relationship out of the sacraments, we get empty rituals. Um, it's not that they don't convey grace. It's just that we aren't in alignment with God's will regarding that sacrament. So we're not going to receive <clears throat> the grace He desires to give us because we're not having the proper disposition when we approach the sacrament, whether it be confession, Eucharist, penance, uh, whether it be uh, anointing of the sick or baptism or whatever it be, um, we're not going to receive as much grace as we could. And grace is the life of God. That's the definition of grace. The divine life of God in the soul. That means the relationship that my soul and yours can have in a very personal, deep and intimate way with God Almighty Remember, each of us are temples of God. <clears throat> that's a truth. That's not a suggestion. We are temples of God. And the Trinity lives in us. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what God has done for us. He's justified us in His blood. He's purchased us at a great price. He's made us His temple, His dwelling place. And so every human person from conception to natural death is holy. So... As we look at sacrament of reconciliation, it's just that. It's a reconciling between God and the soul, between the soul and God. I'd like you to think of this. When you approach confession, think of it as a bridge. There's a bridge and the two ends of the bridge, one end is heaven and one end is earth. That bridge is symbol of our relationship with God, which we need to be there and strong so that we can pass from earth to heaven the day we die. And so the day you die, you want one, two things for certain. One is you want there to be a bridge. Because if there's no bridge, there's no relationship. Because the bridge is symbolic of a relationship. So if there's no bridge, there's no relationship. And there's no way humanly possible for you or I to pass from earth to heaven apart from Jesus Christ, apart from our relationship with Him. Like it or not, regardless of what religion, background, and race you are. That's the truth. And so every soul at some point must come to terms with that truth. It's not a nice idea or it's not a suggestion. It's not a subjective thought or personal opinion. If Jesus is the Son of God and His sacrifice and death opened heaven and purchased for us what we can't purchase for ourselves, then you and I, cannot attain the glory of heaven apart from what Christ has done for us. And that means every soul must at some point make a decision to accept and embrace what Christ has done for us. And it is black and white. I mean, bottom line is you accept Christ or you don't. And that's your own freedom. You have that freedom. God gave us all the gift of his freedom, our, our free will. To make that decision. So this bridge between earth and heaven. Every time you sin. 
you remove planks from that bridge and it becomes less and less uh, of an instrument um, that you can cross over from earth to heaven. And so when we neglect that bridge, it begins to get weaker and weaker and eventually it will rot and it will fall apart. And every time we sin, as I said, it's removing planks from that bridge. And eventually that bridge isn't something that you can even use anymore um, to get from earth to heaven or from point A to point B. And so when you go to confession, remember Jesus is a carpenter. You're asking Jesus to repair the damage you did, I did, with our own sins to that bridge. So I offended the king. Again, what do you see when you go into confession? You see Father Michael or do you see Jesus? It's Jesus through the priest. The priest is a mere representative of God Almighty. When Jesus appeared to St. Faustina, a Polish nun who had these private revelations, he told her very specifically that when you come into confession, he said the priest is merely a screen And he's merely a representative of Christ himself, the divine king, who gives the priest that role in that place um, in in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. That priest is to administer God's divine mercy. And you and I come in with that in our mind and heart. And so when you go into confession, you're saying to the king, through the priest, the representative Christ, the priest, you're saying, I offended you, my king, in these ways. I broke the bridge. I broke the relationship with you in these following ways. And we name our sins. We confess our sins to Christ. And when you come to confession, it's because, again, you care about that bridge, which is your relationship with the Lord. Again, just think of a human relationship between two people you say you're sorry when you hurt someone because you value that relationship it's no different in confession i don't know why we always have a hard time understanding you know when you hurt someone you apologize bottom line period no question marks period that's called humility that's called mercy that's how humans are called to live and interact and we do hurt each other because we're sinners God doesn't hurt us ever. We hurt Him. We offend Him. That's why we have a crucifix in our churches. When you walk into a Catholic church, you should see a crucifix on the wall because the crucifix is a reminder to us of what our sin does and how nasty sin is and that we don't want to sin. We should avoid all near occasions of sin or putting ourselves in the occasion of sin. Because we don't want to hurt someone who loves us more than we love ourselves. We don't want to hurt the God who gave us everything we have. But we look at that crucifix not as a condemnation, but as a victory flag, as a way of saying, I can't, it's so awe-inspiring. Like, who am I, God, that you wouldn't abandon me or leave me to my own misery and my sin? That you continue to love me even though I put you up on that cross. You continue to say, Father, forgive Michael or forgive Joe or forgive Susan. You forgive us even though we're on the cross or that you're on the cross. 
You forgive us even though we've scourged you and ripped the skin off your back and pounded you naked to a tree, mocking you, laughing at you, spitting upon you, you know, driving thorns into your skull through the crown of thorns. And you still love me? See, we have the, it's us who has the hard time receiving that kind of love. It's not God. God doesn't have any problems forgiving and loving us. But in our pride, in the lies we believe that Satan feeds us, we stay away from confession. We stay away from being honest. We stay away from confessing. We stay away from saying, I'm sorry. Because it's pride, it's arrogance, it's our blindness, it's fear, it's lies at the root. Um, so come to confession, letting Jesus rebuild that bridge through your humility and your yes to his mercy. And when you go to confession, you're really saying yes to God the Father in all that his son has done for you. Imagine doing, imagine sa saving up money your whole life for, imagine you saved up all the money you ever made to buy someone one gift. And then imagine that person never showing up to even get that gift. How would you feel? Put yourself in Jesus' shoes. He spent everything he had to win you the gift of mercy. But you never show up to get it. Because one, either you don't value it or you don't think you need it or you think you can handle this yourself. But see, that's all of Satan's tactic. Because unforgiveness towards self and others, it's a cancer. It will affect your relationships with you, with yourself, with others, with family, with friends, with spouses. See, people, we're so blind. We don't even know how unforgiveness is in our hearts and anger and resentments and bitterness. And it's adding up. And it's becoming heavier and heavier and heavier. And what's happening is it's going to become depression. It's going to become oppressive. It's going to suffocate the life of God in us. It's going to make us sick. And some people, many in fact, that hold on to resentment and unforgiveness for years and years and years and years, they get used to feeling resentment and bitterness. And what happens is it actually starts to manifest itself in that person's body. Like people have psychosomatic we call that right bodily um their, their body starts to manifest what they're thinking and believing in that resentment and unforgiveness it's a poison it will destroy you if you don't forgive but to forgive is not human to forgive is divine so you need to do it in the name and power of jesus so in the name of jesus i forgive myself let's say that in the name of jesus christ through his blood and merits, not my own, I claim the power to forgive myself and to let go and let God. In the name of Jesus Christ, through his blood and power, not my own, I forgive my spouse for the way they've hurt me and I release them to God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive my brother or my sister my parents, I forgive my friends, my enemies. In the name of Jesus, through his power, not my own, I release them over to you, Lord. And when you say that, you're cooperating with truth, with grace. And God will start to give you the grace to enflesh what you're praying. You'll start to find your mind, your body, your soul releasing these evils, these toxins these poisonous um, lies within you 
that whoever's hurt you is hurt you with. And so I just want you to think about that. Confession is a tremendous gift God has given the church. And if you think about the history of that sacrament, you know, confession used to be a public thing where you would publicly confess your sins. That's how the early church was. You know, there was public confession. (laughs) Thank God it's not that way anymore, right? But it is public still in the sense that you come to the representative of God, which represents that community of faith, the priest. You're saying, I hurt the body of Christ. So when you hurt, like if I hurt you, I'm hurting the whole church. So it makes sense that I go to the head, the priest, Jesus, and I say I'm sorry for hurting any members of his body. Because it's a, every sin is some level public. Because whether you're in the private committing sin or not, your sin affects the whole church. Just as your acts of love and virtue and forgiveness affect the whole church in a positive way. So I don't think we often are aware of how profound of an effect we can have on the body of Christ when we forgive, when we allow ourselves to be forgiven, when we choose to love rather than harbor anger, hatred, resentment, bitterness toward others. And remember, when we're doing that, we are fellowshipping with the enemy. We are in the camp of the devil when we're holding those resentments and bitterness. And he's going to have a field day destroying us in all our human relationships as well. So I want you to put on the armor of God. Read read Ephesians chapter 6. Put on God's armor through forgiveness, through mercy, through grace. And come to confession as we continue to celebrate our Lenten season. And throughout the whole year, our Blessed Mother says to go to confession at least monthly. You know, people come to confession, they just don't know, but they'll come and it's kind of like, how many of you would only take a bath or shower, you know, once a year? Um, Nobody, hopefully, right? So you want to be clean. You feel better. Same thing with confession. It's, it's It's a bathing of the soul in the blood of Jesus. It's a gift. And the only reason we're afraid of it or make excuses that I don't have to go to a priest to confess my sins. I don't have to, you know, go to this or that to confess my sins. I can go right to God. Well, think about Scripture. God always had human instruments He used to communicate His law through Moses. Think of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, like uh, uh, the priests, the bishops, the Pope. He always chooses human instruments. He uses mom and dad to communicate to the kids. He uses a priest to communicate to the church. He uses you to communicate to others. God uses human instruments. He chooses it. It's not our prerogative to decide how God's going to do what God wants to do. What we do is cooperate and humble ourselves or we make excuses. Someone once told me, when a soul is presented with the truth, you have one of two choices. You humble yourself and repent or you get angry and you run out and say, how could the church do this? How could the church do this? I can't believe the Catholic Church does this. I can't believe the church does this. Listen, the church is simply an instrument of God. If Jesus didn't want to find a church, he wouldn't have found a church. He wouldn't have picked Peter and the Twelve. He wouldn't have chosen the first apostles or bishops of the church or the first pope. There wouldn't be a Pope Francis. There wouldn't be bishops and priests. There wouldn't be these things. Now, why are there these things? Because 
God has kept it going. Why? Because that's God's plan. Like no human institution has ever lasted as long as the Catholic Church has lasted. Now either, and there's pretty much proof in the pudding, like either we are doing a really good job or God's sustaining it. And I think the answer is B because, you know, with all the scandals in the church and the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the miserable brokenness of uh, priests or bishops or popes, you know, good bishops, priests, bad bishops, priests, popes, like the church still goes. Now, how could that be? Name one corporation that would continue to last if they manage their business like the church manages. The church is a very often not good at managing things or doing things in efficient ways. It's slow. It doesn't do things well always in a, in a managerial sense. But it's God's church, regardless whether you like it or not. He didn't choose CEOs. He chose Peter and the Twelve, who were fishermen, just everyday men that he called. He called a, a young Jewish girl to be his mother. He called St. Joseph, a, a carpenter in, in a small carpenter shop, to be his foster father. I mean, this is the kind of God we're dealing with. He's not a God that if we try to always you know, pin him down and, and make sense of why he did it this way or that way. We're not going to get it. Like how many of you would have chose to save the world by being executed on a cross? Think about it. It's not what our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. God doesn't judge by appearance. He judges the human heart. He looks at the human heart. So God's looking at your heart right now. And he hears you listen to this and he knows that you're being challenged. He knows that you might feel overwhelmed or like, well, how do I begin this journey? And I would say to you, take time to begin to study the faith. You know, go to a, a Catholic bookstore, um, start to study the scriptures, start to read the early church fathers and what they believed about the Eucharist, about Blessed Mother, about the saints, the angels. Go to... Uh, uh, um, these sources and, and learn your faith. Online today, there's so many beautiful teachings of people that have come into the church that can witness to you and I um, about the amazing uh, truths that he's given us. So confession, my brothers and sisters, is an amazing, amazing gift. Let your bridge be strengthened. Let your bridge be rebuilt. Let Christ do what he came to do for your soul in a very personal way as you enter into the confessional with Jesus and you say, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been X amount of months, weeks, years since my last confession and these are the ways I have offended you and I ask for forgiveness and pardon. What a beautiful thing to hear the priest, to hear Jesus say through his priest. I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? To hear those words, to be absolved by the King for any ways we've offended Him. And again, don't try to so much understand why, why do we have to do this. Listen, He set it up. Surrender, trust, and then you'll find grace. St. Augustine once said, we don't try to understand so that we can believe. St. Augustine says, we first must believe 
so that we can understand. Faith brings light and grace, which brings deeper understanding. If we try to understand without taking first a step in faith, we're going to just always be stuck with our own ideas. But if we take a step in faith, we're going to be enlightened by God's mercy and grace, and our minds will be illuminated with His understanding, and then it'll make sense. And so, I bless you in the power of Jesus Christ, in His name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Have a blessed and glorious day in His abundant mercy.